Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Whoa, that was too loud. That sounded loud in my ear. But welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I got really eager and excited because Gomer's not here, so I get to introduce the show today. So welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin here at St. Anthony of Padua. And I am joined by a very special guest, Mr. Josh Blakesley. Do you remember that Tonight Show when Johnny Carson was still on it? Do I look like I watched the Johnny Carson show? <laughs> you don't seem like a Johnny Carson guy. Nah. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I mean, I, I probably would have at the time if I were alive. So, because I'm pretty sure his show ended the year I was born. Oh, didn't it end in the '80s? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, because Jay took over at some point. Jay Leno took over. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, I just remember, I have fond memories of watching that with my dad. Yeah, no, I Years probably would have watched it. Then, yeah, I can appreciate that. It so. was a different world back then. So, uh, so Gomer's not with us, uh, and I wasn't with you last week. Thanks everyone for letting me take a little time away with the family. It was fantastic. Did you have a good time? I did have a good time. Uh, we took my uh, boys and we we made a little road trip uh, to the beach in Florida. Socially distant. It was not crowded where we were. Thank God. Nice. Um, and we celebrated my mother's 70th birthday. Oh, so birthday. Um, it was kind of weird. She wore a mask a lot, but uh, you know you got to protect, got to protect Ma. So uh, we did that. It was it was a great time with uh, for the for the kids. It was their first time to the beach. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So what have so, you been doing? Um, I have been uh, playing music at this church, really for. Oh, are you are you the guy that's in charge of our music department? <laughs> that's me. Do, 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 do. Ding, ding, ding. It's you. So uh, yeah. So so how long have you been with us, Josh? Um, a year. Let's see. Almost. So August first will be a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Thank you. It's coming up. Yeah. yeah. So uh, scale of <laughs> one to crazy. <laughs> How has your first year been at St. Anthony of Padua? Not answering. I refuse to answer on the grounds. It's not really. It's not really a fair question to ask uh, in this age of pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it it did change drastically. Um, we went, which which is an interesting point. I, so we went from wall to wall people at every mass, um, standing room only, which is which was a beautiful as for me as a new music director walking in. To a parish was a beautiful thing to see that every every service was filled yeah. um, to capacity and um, and then like at some point you know it just dropped there was nobody and it was me Jay and a priest at every yeah. mass and, and sometimes so, me I was there sometimes yeah just to take pictures and it was and it was just super quiet and I literally like when we came back for the first time I remember the first Saturday vigil mass 5 p.m where we had people back in the church again. Yeah. I, I was in tears. I cried yeah. because it was so I remember you got, you beautiful. Got, you got choked up. Oh, man, because yeah. it's the body of Christ, right? I mean, we yeah. come to celebrate the body of Christ in the Eucharist, but we come together as the body of Christ to do that. And so that split, that dichotomy, that's, that it's also a unification. Like, it's what makes our church our church. And yeah. It's very incarnational. Know. It is, and it man, it just it hit me all at once, like in that yeah. moment. So it was. I mean, it was emotional. I think the for me the emotion this year came on uh, Holy Thursday uh, when it was just us in the church, and it was all the priests up on the altar, and you know they're celebrating the Mass of the Lord's Supper, and it's just them. Yeah. I mean, we were there, but we weren't really there. We were kind of like behind the scenes and just observing that from the back of the church. And seeing these men celebrate this by themselves, uh, you know, in persona Christi, you know, it was kind of like 
it was weird. It was like, is this, this must have been what it really actually felt like in the upper room. Yeah, right. There was this really overwhelming sense of loneliness, but also there was like a beauty in that. Like this is, that's probably really close to the way that it was. Yeah. You know, just like a little bit removed, a little bit lonely. And I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, we were just like the little servants that were like preparing, you know, the meal for the apostles and yeah, Jesus in the background. Right. Yeah, right. So <laughs> if they had that, I don't know if they I had that. I wonder if there was a soundtrack that night. I wonder if anybody was <laughs> playing a leer somewhere, maybe. A leer. What is it? What is a leer? Is that like a flute? <laughs> no, I think it's a guitar. I think it's like a guitar. Sh- well, it's got strings, I think, like a, but a round back. I don't know. Oh, I'm okay. Really, so totally so sure. like an ancient banjo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Perfect. Okay, so before we kind of dive into this a little further, uh, there's still some people that don't know you because you're, you're just coming up on a year, and it's been such a bizarre year. Um, so tell us a little bit about your family. I love your family. Your family's very cute. Mm. Um, tell us about them. Yeah. They're fantastic. They are cute. And where, where you guys came from. Yeah, so uh, I married Heather Bennett, um, now Heather Blakesley, Um, and I'm married up. Uh, I like to say I like to... I like to lead with that because it's important that people know <laughs> I'm married <laughs> up. Uh, she's she just she rules the house. She's um, she's the root of our family. She is the the trunk. I'm the branches. I kind of wave around. I'm like all over the place, but she holds us together. So we're from originally from Alexandria, Louisiana. She's from a little further south, um, Marksville. Mm-hmm. So, which is Cajun territory. Once, yeah. you, once you get that far, I, I've I've gathered that when I talk to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When she gets mad, it really comes out. The Cajun oh. really comes out. Yeah, I haven't yeah, heard. I haven't heard her mad. I've just oh. heard her regular. So I'm oh, gonna man. see if I can. Yeah, see if you can, I can make her mad. Poke the bear a little bit. Yeah, see what happens. <laughs> uh, and then we've got two kids, Sophie and Sutton. Sophie is uh, 15, and uh, she's been uh, she's been playing with us at mass on Sunday nights. So she oh, comes awesome. and plays a little bit of keyboard. Yeah. Okay. And she's been driving us here because she's learned she's got a permit now. So every Lord Sunday she goes, mercy. "Can I drive, Dad?" And I'm like, "Oh boy, we've, yeah, we've started a thing now." So and where does she where she go? Uh, she goes to Frasati. How does she like it? Oh, she's in love with it. She loves. Shout it. Shout out to the Nashville Dominicans. Yes, well she done. Loves the sisters so much, and we were worried. She's she's quiet and and sweet and to herself, and we were worried. You know, when we got here, is she gonna. Is she going to find some people? Is she going to find a group? And she did, and she loves them. And they stay in touch. Even through this pandemic, you know, they've just found ways to stay in touch and communicate and, um, you know, meet outside and, and, you know, get together. And then there's Sutton, who is 15, uh, sorry, 13. And uh, he finds, he stays in touch with all of his, he goes to school here at St. Anthony. And um, he's found ways to stay in touch with his buddies uh, through Xbox, of course. So he's got the headphones on all the time. And they're fortniting and Minecrafting things. And um, I don't understand it. I don't either. I was never really a video gamer. I know I that kind of makes me lame. Yeah, I mean, I, I sat down with him yesterday, and we try, I tried to understand. Like, I just let him go. I'm just like, just tell me. Go. Yeah. And um, he pretty quickly got into the just vocab an entirely different language yeah that i wasn't it's incredible yeah. it's a totally different world and it's it's a little bit intimidating as a parent you know i mean we saw it video games but like i mean i didn't i don't know i kind of stopped after super nintendo i mean my friends kind of kept going after that but i didn't i you know I, I know guys my age that play you know xbox and all those sorts of things it's just never been my thing well now he's shown me the ropes of Fortnite. okay and uh he reminds me how terrible i am daily at it but excellent 
but uh, but he's pretty good, and he's a good teacher. Yeah. Uh, and so so through the the COVID thing, he and Sophie and I kind of we started. And Heather just kind of let us do that thing. She was like, okay, whatever. But um, I got I've gotten better, but I'm just not. It's not. It takes a lot of time, and yeah. I just don't have the time. To, yeah, that's my thing. I'm like, I just don't. When am I going to do that? Like in between changing diapers? I don't yeah, think so. Right. So, and Heather teaches at the school. And Heather teaches here at the school. Yeah, uh, and she's loving that as well. Um, uh, so she and uh, Veronica, the principal, have gotten very close. We we had similar. Our anniversaries are the same. So Veronica and her oh, husband got really? married the same day, same year that Heather and I got married. Really? Yeah, really crazy. That is crazy. Uh, and then they are transplants. They moved in right. um, here, and we came in, of course. And then she, they have uh, children the same age just about as our children. Yeah. So it was just a lot of similarities there. Yeah, they're, the Tuckers they've are been, awesome. They're, they've been such an awesome and sweet uh, family to get to know, and, yeah, so welcoming. So, yeah. Awesome. So, all right, so what we're going to do, we just decided this, uh, we're going to do a little series for Beyond the Bulletin this month on uh, on uh, liturgy, but specifically music and liturgy. Yeah. Um, because I think that music is, um, it's a very important component of the liturgy. It supports the liturgy. Maybe I'm, I hope I'm using the right words. Um, but it's also probably one of the most subjective parts of the liturgy depending on your your upbringing, your culture, your background, all these sorts of things. And so at a parish our size, it's really just important to kind of, I think, understand the point of music and the direction of music and what its purpose is in the liturgy. And that's kind of what I'm hoping that maybe we can do this through a couple of different podcasts. And I'm sure when Gomer comes back on uh, next week or the week after that he'll be able to, you know, quote, sacrosanctum concilium. Yeah. I can't. Uh, I've read pieces of it and parts of it. I, I can't quote it. Um, but just kind of understanding the importance of, of music and, and, and what it's all about at the liturgy. So yeah. my first question to you is. Here it comes. Here it comes. Contemporary or traditional? Oh. Bam, go. Right out of the gate. <laughs> right out of the gate. That's an impossible question to answer. Well, it's, it's actually, it's, it's super easy because the answer is balance. The answer with everything I find with music is balance, always balance, because um, music is, uh, I said this in an email earlier today, um, music is both a unifier and a divider just by its nature. I was on that email. Um, you were on the email. <laughs> and, and, and so what, what every time what happens is, um, it, because people's opinions are so strong about music, right. um, you love what you love and you dislike what you dislike. And there's sometimes there's people in the middle that just love everything as long as it's done well. And sometimes those are my favorite people. Those are my favorite people too. (laughs) And then there's some who just are not moved by a particular style of music and, and it even could make them angry. Uh, and, and that goes both ways. You know, I would say there are some people who are super interested in only ever hearing contemporary music and traditional music. It makes them sad and they just don't want to be. There's also people who only want to hear very traditional music, um, and the other side, it, it, it makes them angry. A drum set makes them angry. You know, so there's just this huge gamut, and I find that the and the answer is somewhere in the middle. As with yeah. a lot of things, uh, I, th- I think finding that balance of of some traditional things and some contemporary things. Um, the beauty lies right in the middle of all that. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that I kind of f- fall into that middle category in terms of personal preference. Mm-hmm. So, like, I grew up at a very active life teen parish with a very contemporary um, 
group that led that 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 mass for the teenagers. Um, at the same time, I went to a summer camp where we did Latin mass mm. when I was in middle school. So I got kind of in high school, middle school, I got exposed to both uh, sides, if you will. If it, I hate thinking of the church that way because it, it almost is like American politics, right versus left, right. and that's not what it's right. meant to be as church. We're not that. Um, but I came to appreciate both at a young age, and I think that uh, that there's good in both. Now, what would you say, though, to someone who says, well, uh, you know, traditional has pride of place, right? I think mm. there's a quote or something that I've, I've heard from, like, Pope Benedict about that. Like, I think he's specifically talking about the organ or things yeah. like that. What's your response to someone who says, well, that's fine, you can have your opinion, but it really isn't the church's opinion? Yeah. Well... <laughs> I think, you know, having read the general instruction of the Roman Missal uh, a few times through. The germ. The germ. Uh, sacrosanctum, which you talked about, um, as well as music and divine worship or in divine liturgy, which is written by the USCCB. All of those documents um, talk about uh, the voice as being the number one musical thing that we can do in the church. And, of course, that's a terrible paraphrase, but but yeah, essentially singing. that's what we're saying. Yeah. Singing. Is, is first. Uh, and, and of course, the, the church provides things like the entrance antiphon, the communion, communion antiphon, and then of course, all the por- parts of the mass um, so that they can be sung. And all of that is, a, is an attempt to, um, to enrich the liturgy in some way, right? We can't, ma- we can't make the mass any better. It's, it's mass. Mass is, ma- mm. Jesus is there. He comes, he's present on the altar, regardless of whether we sing or not. And so mass is going to occur. But what our attempts for as humans are to do there is to enrich it and, and offer God even more praise from from our from ourselves from our hearts. What can we do our utmost for His higher His highest? What can we do to provide to the Lord uh, even more service? How can we serve Him more in this liturgy? And so music has that purpose. Um, I think. And so as, as long as we come and we sing first, our, you know, we use our vocal cords first, that's number one. Number two is the organ. So organ has, has pride of place. The organ is, uh, is an instrument that it goes back, oh my gosh, how long? Uh, At least like 500 years, maybe more, 1,000 right? years? Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna have to Google that and answer that question for myself now. Um, <sighs> Gomer over here, he'd know. He would, he probably would know. <laughs> Uh, but but it's an instrument that that is beautiful and it has pride of place for a lot of different reasons that that we won't dive into. But um, it it is the all encompassing instrument uh, and it can be played softly, it can be played loudly, and you can yeah. Uh, there's a lot that you can do with just that one instrument, which is what gives it um, a lot of its uh, emphasis as the the primary instrument. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, f- uh, side note on, on the organ, one of my greatest experiences was in college studying in Austria. Uh, Father Dave Pavanka who's now the president of, uh, Franciscan university. He at the time was in charge of the Austria program when we were over there. And he was a great tour guide around Europe because he would lie to us about statues in the squares and see if we <laughs> could tell the difference. But we were in, uh, Vienna and he was explaining to us the difference between a Gothic church and a Baroque church. A Gothic church, you could think of that as like St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York, very high ceilings, the idea being that uh, at that time the idea was that God is far away and I'm I'm lowly little man here on earth mm-hmm. and he's almost unattainable. Um, but Baroque is more the, the style of churches where you walk in and you see a lot of heavy gold and huge statuary in, in these places. And there's a church right around, so in Vienna there's St. Stephen's Dome, which is the uh, right at the, the center of Vienna and it's kind of the more Gothic style like that. 
But then around the corner, there's another church called St. Peter's, and it's Baroque. And so he's having us compare these two differences. And the first time I walked into St. Peter's, not only was it just this heavy gold and, and making you feel like God is like coming down to earth and upon you, and it's like the, the second coming kind of thing, but we walked in there and the organ was playing like full blast. And it just mm. gave you this like experience of, whoa, God is heavy and he's here and I better watch out kind of thing. So it's, it's amazing to me how the organ can even play into the experience of the art and architecture of the building itself where you're gathering for mass. Mm. Um, so that was a side note. But I, I have a question on this point of the organ before we keep going. Because we've had a few questions of are we getting rid of, typically our 11 o'clock mass has been our tradition, more traditional mass. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying, is that going away? I haven't heard the organ. What's going on with all that? And I wanted to offer you an opportunity to explain that because I think sometimes we forget that parishioners don't necessarily know, especially during this time of coronavirus where we don't run into people as much. Right, all the planning is going on. Yeah, and and even just the side conversation opportunities that they would normally have to come up and say, hey, what about this? What's going on? So what's going on with the 11 o'clock and and the traditional music at the church right now? Yeah, Uh, so it's a good question. First, first, let's say this. The the organ's not going anywhere. It's uh, it's an important instrument for the church, as we just said, primary. So uh, so it's it's staying where it's at, and uh, and and it's going to do great things. Uh, in in this time of epidemic, we've been spending a lot pandemic. of time uh, pan, pandemic. I yeah. hope if we get to epidemic, then we get more people at mass. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's a technicality. It's an important one, though. It is good. Go on. Uh, yeah. So in in this time, we uh, we've been turning our focus a lot towards streaming mass and making mass available to uh, people who can't get here. Uh, and so that that's easy with the piano. We put we put microphones on it. We run it through the board and we send it through the computer speakers right. at home. With the organ, it's not that easy because the organ uh, sounds comes through pipes ordinarily. Right. And our particular organ in our church, it's made a little differently. It's a more updated organ that does a lot of awesome things. Um, it's it's a pretty unbelievable organ, as a matter of fact. But uh, it's coming through speakers. It doesn't even sound like it, but it, it, there's actually speakers. Um, and what we have to do is mic those speakers, then get that mic to go through the board, and create a channel for it, and then send it through them. So that's that's taken some time to do uh, because the speakers are really high up in the church. Yes. Um, and we had to assign all the channels have been on the mixing board. Lots of technical stuff. But uh, good news is Jay and I got up on some ladders, and we got up there, and we got it situated. So... Uh, so it is mic'd now. The problem that we're having is that there's a little buzz going on. We've got to locate and identify yeah. where that's coming from. But uh, so, but these are these good are, news is these this is progress toward yeah. making sure that that's available. Uh, right. That there's forward. no there's no uh, nefarious intentions to rid ourselves of traditional right. music and the <laughs> yeah, organ. Right. right. We need Here to be clear about Anthony. that. We're just trying to figure it out as we go uh, and make sure that it's. Um, uphold the dignity of the liturgy also for the people that can only engage right now through the live stream. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think it's important to say this too. I, when I, when I first got here, um, Natalie Jardina, who was here before me and, and she stayed for a year, she just very, very recently, uh, retired. Uh, and so we celebrated her, um, was that earlier this week? Last week? Yeah, when July first. Yeah, July first. Shout out to Natalie. Uh, we miss you. So gosh, I miss her so much already. She, she, it was a beautiful as a as a new music director coming in. It was so awesome to have her here to help with that transition. Like, here's the way we've been doing things. Here's some things that you can expect from, you know, certain people or whatever. So it was so good to have 
that. Um, and so what we did together as a team, she and Ashley and I, who all make up the uh, music office, now just Ashley and I, um, we got together and we put our heads together to create this mission statement. You were a part of this too, mm-hmm. creating this mission statement. The music ministry at St. Anthony strives to develop a culture of quality music that serves to glorify God by enriching and beautifying the worship of his faithful people. I'm going to read it one more time just, just because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. The music ministry at St. Anthony strives to develop a culture of quality music that serves to glorify God by enriching and beautifying the worship of his faithful people. So there's nothing in there about making the mass better. That's not what we're doing. What we're doing is we're just trying to play quality music. So we want it to sound good. Uh, we want it to serve and glorify God, mm-hmm. right? And we want it to enrich and beautify the worship of the people gathered there. Right. Um, so those are kind of the things that we're striving to do. And so, you know, by by getting that microphone, getting the buzz out of there before we just display that to right. all the 26 countries that have been watching on live stream, like, it's important for us, I think, to do that, to put our best foot for again, our utmost for his highest. This is liturgy. It's the highest thing that we can do as Catholics. We want it to be done well. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, we, so we'll get it done well and uh, and... And then, yeah, we, we'll be back to Oregon playing uh, as soon as we possibly can. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and thank you guys for your work on that. I know there are so many things um, that before all this we wouldn't have realized were so crucial in terms of live streaming that we're learning as we go. And, like, there's never been a reason before now to have the organ, you know, kind of piped into the to the system. Right. Um, and now we have that need, and I know it's not an easy an easy thing. So thank you guys for working on that. Um, I know there will be people that are excited to hear that. Um, all right, so we were back to the original conversation, though. We had uh, we were on point two, which was the organ has pride of place, because we were mm-hmm. talking about, you know, what do you say to people who, um, you know, maybe feel that traditional is is the only way or, or that sort of thing with music. Right. And so we were on point two, which is the organ. I think we covered that. Yeah. Yeah. So voice and then organ and then and then it kind of leaves it to what what's available in the culture. I mean, so we have to think about a lot of things like in a small church in the middle of Africa somewhere, there's probably not a pipe organ available. Probably not. And so they might use a different (laughs) style of music entirely than what we would use here in the woodlands um, to enrich the worship of the faithful. And so so what we do here in the woodlands is we we use the music that's available to us. I also think it's important to use the music that speaks uh, to people. Uh, so what I think speaks to a lot of people is, is what they hear on the radio. A lot of times uh, we're moved by a song that, that we hear just driving down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had spiritual moments before uh, with songs that really have nothing to do with God, and, but, but yet I recognize the beauty in the instrumentation, the beauty and the talent that God gave to the person who produced the song or or played guitar on the song or played drums on the song or whatever it is. And so what we do here is we use the talents of the people in our community and what they are available to do, what they're able to do. Willing to do. Willing to do. <laughs> uh, and and, and their, their willingness to serve, to come and, and be a part of, of what we're doing in the music ministry here. And, of course, we welcome that. Like, if there's anybody that's watching that wants to be a part, I welcome email the email. Blakesley yeah. at ap.church. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We welcome that, and we want to hear from people and include the community. Um, and we also want it, again, we want the quality, so we want it to be done well. Right. Um, so, so those, I mean, those are the, I, th- I think, the the main points with, with doing music well. Um, 
at liturgy, you know. Um, the voice, it's, it's still given pride of place, no matter what instrument is underneath. Yep. Uh, the organ, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then the culture, like what, what, what music is available to the people that are here. Unfortunately, we, we have a couple of good organ players here. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I have found that there aren't as many great organ players as there used to be, you know. Oh, even, sure, even 10, yeah. 20, 30 years ago. Um, and, and so it's just, it's kind of, the organist is, is a little bit of a dying breed, which I, I'm sad to see. Um, I can play it a little bit, but I'm not super confident with it. I'd rather be on a piano. So here's what you need to know. If your child is out there playing an instrument that every other kid is playing, yeah. tell them to stop and start <laughs> playing the organ because that will become a very valuable position uh, in the church here in the next few years. I mean, really, though, like, you know, if you get good at it, like, that's how people, you know, I, I think of the organ player at the cathedral in Atlanta where I used to work, and that was an extremely important position, especially in a cathedral like that. And you, yeah. you get to actually play some of the highest liturgies um, and ceremonies in the mm-hmm. church when, when you have that skill. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's an awesome skill to have. Um, I also want to say, you know, we plan to use that at the, at the 5, the 11, um, the 7 a.m., I'd, I'd really like to at some point if we can get if we can get people back in singing again. I mean, uh, we keep talking about this in the music office. The, the choir section is really probably the most dangerous place in the church if we have a group of people in there right. singing loudly. That's where the most church cases have come from oh nationwide. Oh, gosh, yeah. because you're standing right on top of each other and you're projecting. So, like, mm-hmm. and you think of the amount of air that you're forcing out of your lungs and— um, whatever else comes out of your mouth when you're saying it's like, man. But if we ever do, when, when we get back to a place where that's available, I'd really like to create like a, a scola, um, maybe in, even introduce some Latin at the 7 a.m. and do some some beautiful songs that are just from the very roots of our church, you know, like in, yeah. um, and, and treat each mass uh, just a little bit differently stylistically. Uh, so that there is something for everybody at the parish. I, th- I think mm-hmm. that's that's something that every parishioner should realize is that we we want there to be something for everybody. Here. Right. That it, that that the mass isn't. It's, it's never something that should make you angry. Yeah. It should make you. It, you should be filled with joy. And I think I, I think by and large most people are. You know, I think it, obviously right now it's a little bit more difficult. We, we're having to lean more contemporary, like we were just talking about, because of the live stream and and just the the natural ease of, you know, using instruments with a a soundboard and all that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, kudos to you. I mean, I've been at mass and, uh, you know, um, I know my wife has said the same thing to me that it's just, uh, it's just incredible to hear your passion come through the microphone as well as the other musicians. I mean, Ashley Orlando is incredible. Her voice, the volunteers, you know, um, uh, uh, Lizzie Marlowe. I always Lizzie's want to call her sister's name Maggie, uh, but I, I don't know why because I've known them now for a few years and I still do it. But Lizzie Marlowe, every time she gets up, um, you know, Allison, all of them, just incredible, incredible voices. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm excited for when we can get back to that point where more people can join them uh, and just kind of, you know, uh, give it a more full sound. So, okay, we've talked a little bit about traditional. Yeah. What's going on in the contemporary world with, like, the 9 a.m. and the 6 p.m., which tend to lean more contemporary? So the the 9 a.m., in in my eyes, I I took uh, several months when I first got here to to go to every single mass. Um, 
uh, I, I sat in with uh, 1 p.m. with the uh, Hispanic group for the Latin, for the Spanish Mass. Uh, Jay was there for that. It, it it was awesome because I I've not played that style of music before, so I was walking into a whole new world basically. And um, and I just I kind of I played in the background. I, I brought an electric guitar and just kind of played softly in the back and tried to just be atmospheric more than you know play actual parts. And uh, man, it was my eyes were just opened. It's so beautiful what what they're doing there. They're using drums. They're using a lot of uh, Latin style mass. I mean Latin style songs and music and. Uh, and it's beautiful, Javier. Latin does a as great in job. Latino, not as in that's right. Yeah, Latin, the ancient language. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, um, and it's uh, and it's beautiful, and it's beautiful, and it was like the chord changes, the time signatures, all of that was like uh, it was so eye opening for me. So I'm excited to do it again as time permits. Um, and then the 9 a.m. I, I uh, as I as I kind of uh, got here and, and observed things, you know, and the 6 p.m. I noticed that the 9 a.m. had more of an adult contemporary feel, that there was a lot of young families there, and so mm-hmm. you've got 30-somethings a lot. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's all ages, of course, but but um, but pretty heavy on that 30-something range. Yeah, that's when the nursery's probably children. most full on right. Sunday mornings. Um, and so it seems like uh, more of an adult contemporary style wh- is what was happening there. And so um, so I've tried to step into that and, and dial that in even a little, you know, focus that even a little bit more. Um, with the adult contemporary style, and then the the six p.m. that that live teen mass has been uh, historically a, a little bit edgier, I think musically, and so I'm even trying to dial that in and focus that even a little more too. Um, so you may see an electric guitar or two at the at the six p.m. Uh, moving forward as we get more people in there, and then um, and whereas you might see more acoustic guitar kind of stuff at the. 9 a.m. Okay. Uh, drums are at both, uh, yeah. but we do stylistically approach those just a little bit differently. I mean, um, yes, I got to be a part of that test in the church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I could tell a difference. There's a big difference yeah. in, in how y'all play them between those two masses. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the, the drummer holds back a little bit at the 9 a.m. The um, you know the acoustic guitar as opposed to the electric. Uh, it's more piano driven. There's a lot. Of, Whereas at the 6 p.m., uh, I'll lead a couple more songs with the acoustic guitar, let the electric in a little bit more. Uh, drums are more present, and yeah. so we try to approach them differently. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play I'm gonna play the political, the church politics game again. Uh oh. I'm gonna ask you the tough question. What do you say to someone who says that drums or the electric guitar are offensive to the liturgy? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd say they can be. I mean, I, I would know, agree with that. Yeah, anything can be offensive to the to the liturgy. Um, it's easy to be offended these days. Yeah. And I've, I've heard some offensive organ playing really, honestly, if we're, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of times I'm like, who just stop. Yeah. That's <laughs> but, a good uh, point. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that anything that's done well. And of course is in keeping with the culture and, you know, the cultural relevance and, uh, and again, is, is bringing glory to God in the liturgy, uh, First and foremost, sacred. Uh, most important, sacred. Um, then I, th- then I think it has the opportunity to be beautiful. I've heard some really bad electric guitar players doing some really bad things. Um, I get, I get to travel quite a bit and and see different parishes and different music groups a lot. Um, and the thing that's always surprising to me, this happens a lot at different parishes. There's a there's a music director who's usually in charge of like the ten thirty, eleven o'clock, whatever. And then there's a different, like a, a band or a, 
or a music group that's in charge of the evening Sunday mass. Mm-hmm. Which then, is the way it was here for then, many years. Right, right. And so, uh, and which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but what I've noticed is that they sometimes don't communicate at all. Mm-hmm. Like you'll you'll go from one to the next, and you and and I, like and me as a stranger coming into these parishes, sometimes yeah. I end up as the ear for for all the complaints. You know? Oh and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I'll hear from it's the music the, the outsider going, coming in. They never do what I need. What I ask them to do, and then you've got the you know the contemporary band is going, man. The, Organs. We're trying to put a drum set in, but the organ's taking. You know, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like never ending. Just you know, but but I think what's what's beautiful again that balance when we can find that place in between where we can come together and recognize that, man, we are one body serving mm-hmm. the serving the Lord and this parish. So how can we how can we do that together? How can we work together to to get that goal accomplished? Um, and that's really something that I've been trying to do here a lot too. Just kind of uh, unify and, and bring folks together and. Um, I don't know whether it's working or not, but but that's my intent. And well, if it's not, we'll just blame the pandemic. <laughs> so don't worry about it. It's COVID. No, I'm just kidding. No, I I, I credit to you because I've noticed that like in your first year, particularly before all the coronavirus stuff, like you kept saying uh, every time I would hear you talk about it, you're like, I'm just I'm listening, I'm observing. I don't want to come in and like just totally you know change everything. That's not that's not what you were hired to do, and that's not what anybody wants you to do. Um, what I think the hope, and, and I think you are doing this, and I think coronavirus just kind of interrupted the process, uh, is is taking it to the next level of, of uh, sacredness and dignity for the liturgy in terms of music. And um, I'm hopeful that, that we'll get there and that this pandemic will hopefully end because I'm excited to hear some of the ideas come to, to fruition in the liturgy. Yeah. So. yeah. So, all right, we've talked a little while long, and here's the thing. We've got all month. I'm I'm actually really excited. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk a little bit more on. about like specific topics that you want to talk about. So let's end on some uh, some uh, some some fun questions here at the end. Okay. All right. Uh, first question is, what do you miss most about Louisiana? Oh man, that's a hard one. Uh, okay, wait, I got it, I got it, because we've been I've been texting with I got a little group text going with some friends in Louisiana. Uh, and is Paul we, George on it. It is. He is. He's the worst. How did you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love that guy. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So and, and we've been emailing or we've been texting pictures of our uh, of our barbecues, like you know, like on weekends, we're like yeah. grilling out or whatever. So it, and so we've got this thing going back and forth, like check the, these steaks, you know, or whatever. Yeah. We're all like, oh man, he's got it. So we try to one up, you know, the next time. We'll yeah. These are, burgers. Look at this. Yeah. Are you representing the great state of Texas? Well, I am trying to. Okay. But but what I've noticed is that the sausage doesn't seem to be at least I haven't found it yet I need to talk with a Texan I guess about okay. where you get the best sausage because I really miss Louisiana sausage big time interesting yeah I don't know the answer to that I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna well there's some good brands I actually um, well so we're a little bit snobby about it in, in our family because Ann's family they may they have their own family recipe okay of Italian sausage Oh, of Italian sausage. Yeah. A new, uh, another world completely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Which is also good. Which grilled, is also though. good. Yes, it is good grilled. And uh, actually, at our wedding, at our reception, my mother in law specifically picked the caterer that would allow her family to make the Italian sausage in a commercial kitchen and then give it to the caterer to be incorporated into the food. <laughs> that was how they chose the caterer for our wedding. It was wild. <laughs> If you so, let me do this, you got the job. You got the job. Okay. That's what happened. So, okay. Nice. All right. So, if anyone knows, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> where to get good, good Louisiana sausage in Texas? In Texas, or just good? How about yeah. just good Texan sausage? Yeah, maybe maybe there's some great stuff that I just haven't found yet. Okay, yeah. interesting. I think they're more about the brisket here, but we'll see. Maybe someone mm. will email you and let you know. That is fair game too. All right, so next question is what, uh, now that you've been living in Texas, I know you, you've been to Texas plenty uh, prior to living here, but what has surprised you the most about becoming a Texan? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Could be pleasant, could be negative, yeah. up to you. There's Surprise nothing negative to say about the Texas. Most about beca- you, you know, this is the thing that's popping in. I mean, these are, these are rapid-fire questions here, so I'm just going – top of my brain yeah but what do you call the things that the girls have to wear for is it homecoming oh the moms moms yeah that's everyone's cultural shock when they get here i have never seen anything yeah, like that it's before. bizarre it is. it's bizarre <laughs> i mean they're like we've been looking at houses we've been we're trying to find a house right now yeah we've been house shopping it seems like forever now uh trying to find the right house but we've actually been in a couple of houses that have like the mom on the wall in the girl's room. They have like whole, uh, an entire room dedicated to mum making. Like some of that, oh. like we've, we've been in a couple of houses where there's like, you know, you, yeah, it's it would an be industry. an office for most people, yeah, but it's, an industry. it's a mum making room. Yeah, they're expensive. So funny fact, when I was, uh, when I was the youth minister here 10 years ago, and we would, you know, people, uh, we charge for our programs for life team and things like that for a variety of reasons. One, we have to cover the costs of doing, you know, all the things that we do with the teens and all that. Um, but one of the ways that we would always explain it and justify it was we would compare our price to the price of a homecoming mom because we were half the price of a homecoming mom. Okay. And it was like we put it on the sheets. We sent out to parents. Some of you parents will probably remember this if you listen. Uh, but we used to say, like, you can either buy a homecoming mom for X amount of dollars this year or for half the price, we'll give your kid faith formation that will last an eternity. <laughs> And that That's was our good. selling point. That's good. And it worked. That's a good, I like that pitch. Yeah. So the homecoming mom, if you're not from Texas and you're not familiar with this, yeah, Google, that. Google Texas homecoming mom. It is bizarre. Yeah. yeah that was bizarre. A culture shock for sure. All right. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. It's pretty common too. I've heard that from a lot of people. Okay. All right. If you could change one thing about Texas, what would it be? Now, careful. This could be offensive. I mean, I think the only answer there is nothing. It's perfect, right? Yes. I mean, correct we, answer. It, yeah, anything else? <laughs> correct answer. <laughs> okay, that was a stupid question. Uh, all right, so let me ask another question. If you could meet any saint, excluding the Blessed Mother, who would it be and why? And St. Joseph. Those two are out. Well, because these are rapid fire and because I'm answering this moment, it mm-hmm. would have to be Pierre Giorgio Frassati mm. because Sophie's had such an unbelievable experience at that school. And, um, uh, I, I mean, he's just come to life in a new way for me. And so, so I will just say, like as we've been exploring yeah. him and uh, it's so interesting and so many like just amazing things that he's, that, that he's accredited for, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that would be. You know what's funny? The the Nashville Dominicans, um, I have been so unbelievably impressed with how they have thematically made him come to life at that high school. Yeah. Like a lot of Catholic high schools are just named after a saint or they're named after a bishop, and it's kind of like, yay, like rah, rah, this is our spirit. But like 
they they make the man of the Beatitudes come to life yeah. in him. Like right. that, it, it's incredible to see uh, how they've played that out in the few years that they've been around. Right. Yeah. I mean, Sophie walks around. There's quotes that she just knows from Pier Giorgio Forsati from just being in school there. You know, to the heights is one of it's like yeah. their slogan that they, you know. So yeah, they really incorporate. So fun fact. Like, uh, in college, one year for Halloween, because I'm a nerd and I went to Franciscan University, I was Pierre Giorgio for Halloween. Nice. Yeah. So nice. look at him right here for Saudi the Hottie. <laughs> and nuns probably wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure everybody was saying that. Yeah. Oh, this must oh, be. Oh, of course they were. <laughs> no one said that. No one no said one that said at all. That. So awesome. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to some more podcasts. We'll, we'll try and get Gomer back on and we'll, we'll break open some more liturgical topics. If anyone has questions uh, for Josh about like liturgy and music um, yeah. and you want to, you want to send those into us uh, in the next few weeks, we'll try and address those. Um, just send them in to either myself or Josh and uh, yeah, this should be really fun. Yeah. I'm so, excited. I'm excited. Happy one year anniversary a few weeks. Thank early. you. Thank you. How exciting. That's all I got. Da, 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 da. <laughs> It's not as fun without Gomer, I'm sorry. <laughs> the introduction of church organ music is traditionally believed to date from the time of the papacy of Pope Vitalian in the 7th century. 